Hi, this is Damien Christoph from 100 Not Out and The Wellness Guys. Become a change maker in the health industry today. All you need to do is enroll for the functional nutrition course and become an internationally recognized expert on the vitalistic philosophy of food and nutrition with our friends at the Functional Nutrition Academy. Register now and receive a six-week bonus accreditation course providing you with the business tools to start and grow your own business and a whopping $1,000 discount. So don't delay and start your health career today at www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash functional. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Dr. Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Elsie Ale. Elsie has a story that I guess rings a few bells in terms of some of the interviews we've done on That Paleo Show. Like many of the guests we've had, she started as a vegetarian at the age of 14. She became a vegetarian, and after several years of being meat and animal product free, started succumbing to some debilitating idiopathic, which means undiagnosable, health problems in her late teens and early 20s. So she set out on a journey to try and heal herself from that. Um, As a vegetarian in what I understand was a non-vegetarian family, she'd already learned a fair bit about cooking her own food and preparing her own meals. So she used that information to start finding out what was going to work for her. After years of exploring and learning, she's discovered what she thinks are the best dietary practices for a balanced, healthy life. Um, And that includes green vegetables, lean meats, butter, and a little bit of chocolate and wine. So, looking forward to chatting to Kelsey today. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, great story. Um, looks like you're sharing some great information, cooking some amazing products. So, we'll talk about those a little bit later too. Um, but tell mm-hmm. us about your journey You know, right from the start. Tell us, at the age of 14, why was it? what was it that stimulated you to want to become a vegetarian? Well, that's a really good question. You know, my family, generally speaking, wasn't super health conscious. So it wasn't necessarily that I initially thought vegetarianism was healthier. I think it was a little bit more um, teenage rebellion and a little bit, um, not to say peer pressure, but I know one of my close friends when I was growing up was a vegetarian and I thought that seemed pretty cool. So I decided to try it. And I think um, the really key moment for me was actually in a history class when I was watching a video adaptation of a book called The Jungle, which if you're not familiar with it, it was written around um, the turn of the century. And it's all about the um, the meat industry at the turn of the century, which like no, no, like industry had really great health practices, but especially when it came to our food, like in the late 1800s, early 1900s, like things weren't clean and, and beautiful. So I'm um, kind of seeing some images in that film uh, inspired me to stop eating meat for a little while. And, um, I think again, just that twinge of rebellion, you know, my dad wasn't super supportive of me being vegetarian. So I dug my heels in and, and got into it a little bit more and, um, eventually started working at a health food store where like vegetarianism and veganism was really supported and kind of touted as a healthier way of life. So I started to adopt that philosophy that vegetarianism and veganism was super healthy. Um, so that was kind of, kind of the journey, up until the point where I got really sick. I was kind of dogmatic about it, like I think some people are. 
Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's so many different reasons, I guess, why people do head down that road. And for, and for many people, I guess it's a you know somewhat of an environmental one. And it seems like that wasn't the case for you. But, um, you know, I guess the, the cleanliness is an interesting one. Like this idea that uh, eating meat was somehow, you know, dirtier and less... Um, yeah, less, less less clean is a really interesting yeah. idea. Yeah, well, and I think also like um, at that point in my life, I didn't really have the big picture concept of where our meat comes from. And I know I remember very vividly some of the images um, in the video were like of cow bodies. And I was like, oh, my God, that's what I'm mm. eating. And so I think um, not understanding you know, the nutritional implications and how meat can be raised sustainably. It doesn't have to be dirty. It doesn't have to be like, you know, harsh on the animals in that way. Um, not having that understanding, I was like, oh, no, I don't want <laughs> I don't want that thing that's yeah. hanging on that meat hook. <laughs> and, and I think peer pressure is a big thing for people, um, whether it's, um, you know, going vegetarian, whether it's going paleo, whether it's, um, you know, eating unhealthy food often, um, that peer pressure aspect really comes in for a lot of people and, um, can make you know choosing what they want to eat and finding out what works for them a lot harder for a lot of people, I think. Oh, definitely. And especially um, because, you know, from my perspective as a nutritional therapist, I'm all about what's right for the individual. And I so often have people coming to me with questions about, you know, a diet fad or a supplement that they're taking and they don't even know why they're doing it. It just was what their friend was doing or they read about it in a magazine. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like the peer pressure that's out there really disconnects people from what's best for their bodies. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So you obviously had become vegetarian. It seems like you've been vegetarian for maybe five or six or seven years or so, um, and mm -hmm. you, but you started to develop some health problems. Tell us what started to happen to you. Yeah, well, um, so in combination with being a vegetarian, I wasn't at the time really well educated on proper dietary practices, and I was a major sugar addict, um, which is not good for anybody, whether you eat meat or not, but especially not having healthy, like, um, complete proteins in my diet, I think it was a little bit harder on my body. Um, so I probably, let's see, I started developing health problems around like between 18 and 20. And uh, I just was having a lot of really bad bloating and lethargy and kind of wrote it off and didn't really pay attention, you know, resilient teenagers. And if we remember being in our 20s, <laughs> we, we were invincible. Um, so yeah, so I kind of just wrote it off and wrote it off and um, didn't pay attention until one day, I just felt absolutely sick. Like I was driving to visit a friend and, um, I drove about two hours and got up and stood up out of the car and had this like sharp shooting pain in my abdomen. And I, I was like, Oh, I've been sitting for a while. No big deal. Walk it off. Like, um, you know, went, hung out, partied that night, drank some beer, didn't feel great. And that was kind of the, the day and night that spiraled into the next five years of, um, just really intense, stomach pain, bloating. Um, they were afraid that my appendix was going to burst and they found out that wasn't the case. They thought there were cysts on my ovaries or on my kidneys and got tests done. And that wasn't the case and got a lot of blood work done. And just nobody could really point me in the right direction. Um, and that was so frustrating because I had never really had to rely on any sort of medical treatment before. And I mm. just always assumed that the people in the white coats knew what they were talking about. And if you come to them and say, I have this problem, they're like, oh, yes, I know exactly what that means. And let me do this thing for you. So to have that not be the case and just be left with more questions and just, I mean, you know, there's some safety in knowing your appendix isn't about to burst, but it didn't change the fact that I was in excruciating pain and like couldn't eat for days. <laughs> um, 
so in that sense, like the, the lowest moment in my health, I think then became my biggest motivation to kind of understand what was really happening. Like if these people who were so well educated didn't have the answers, I mean, then I guess I would have to, had to find them for myself. Yeah. So where did you go from there? I mean, you've obviously got to the point where the people you thought were supposed to have the answers and were going to be able to help you <laughs> weren't able to help you. Um, mm-hmm. did, were you, I guess, uh, upset by that? Were you depressed by that? I mean, many people find that very challenging when they're, they're looking for the answers and, and not finding them. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, it was challenging. And at the same time, I think um, at that point in my life, I was in the natural health space. So I knew I had a couple of directions to go. I didn't know what was going to be the right direction. So my first um, my first foray was actually into Ayurvedic medicine and Ayurvedic dietary practices, which are like an Eastern Indian philosophy that also uses food to heal, but based on different principles. Um, and it's so funny because you know, I was in the midst of my vegetarianism. I went in and had a consultation with this Ayurvedic practitioner Mm. and she was like, Oh, you're like, um, in, in Ayurvedic medicine, they divide people into three basic categories. And she was like, Oh, you're in the category that really needs to eat like all kinds of meat. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Like, that's not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) Um, so that was my first venture. Um, and I think I just started to do a lot more research on my symptoms. You know, we had the internet at that point and just reading a lot of different books. Um, and that's when I started to learn a little bit about leaky gut and candida, which I think leaky gut is kind of like a catchphrase now, but just reading about it back then and like reading about how, um, you know, being addicted to sugar and eating a lot of sugar and carbohydrate based foods can really influence, um, you know, the bacterial environment in your gut. And that in turn influences the health of the gut. And then you can get these holes in mm. your gut line. I was like, Oh, maybe that's what I have. Um, so yeah. And so so where, did, where did you go from there? I mean, you started getting an idea, okay, maybe I shouldn't be having so much sugar. Maybe I shouldn't be yeah. having so much, you know, such a high carbohydrate diet. I mean, where did you, what did you start with? How did you start to change that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was really challenging because I think so much of what was really mm, would have really been accurate nutritional information went against what I quote unquote believed to be healthy. So um, I kind of resisted it for a few years, and I I just got stricter <clears throat> into vegetarianism, and I got. Um, from vegetarianism, I went to veganism, and then I was like a raw vegan for a while. So I went in the total like opposite direction would have act- would have actually been healthy. <laughs> at the same time, did you try and alter your vegetarianism and veganism at all in terms of your macros? Like, did you did you start to become conscious of how much sugar and how much carbohydrate versus how much fat and protein you were eating, or was that not really on your radar? You know, that wasn't even really on my radar at the time. And to be very honest, at one point I was on like a very low fat vegetarian slash raw vegan diet. So again, I was like, no, I'm going to go in the uh, in the opposite direction away from health and just see what happens because because of what I believed, you know, and, yeah. and that's one of the biggest things I try to drive home to people. It's like your body doesn't care what you believe is healthy. Like there are certain <laughs> things that we need as organisms to function and to thrive. So that was definitely that wake up call for me was was intense because I clearly didn't get better. I was going <laughs> to say, so you went in the opposite direction. How did that work for yeah. you? Yeah, not so great. Not so great. Yeah. <laughs> um, like my symptoms didn't clear up, and um, I eventually got to the point where I conceded to pescatarianism, which is vegetarianism with a little bit of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that still didn't really help. Um, but I at least thought that I was doing something different. Um, and eventually I got to the point where as I was surrounding myself with more health and nutrition professionals, someone actually recommended the metabolic typing diet to me. So I'm not sure are you familiar with the metabolic typing diet. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and so again, it's one of those books that breaks you into a couple of different categories and in the book you can take the quiz, um, and it talks about like your, um, metabolic burning type and what your body thrives best on. And once again, someone is pointing at me and saying, Hey, your type needs to eat meat. Like all of the kinds of meat are what your metabolism needs. Um, so, so that I think was the final push that I needed. I felt like I had really tried so many other things and eating meat was the thing that I had not tried yet. Um, so, you know, not having adjusted my macronutrients necessarily, um, but looking at nutrients in general and really kind of accepting again, that maybe what I believed was healthy wasn't really healthy for me. Um, I decided to give meat a try. Um, and, so and that where was a pretty did, Where did you start? <laughs> what did you start eating? Oh, I started with chicken. Yeah, so I um, I was living with a partner at the time, and he was so actually really supportive because he was totally you know omnivore eating meat the whole time and would always offer me some but never force it on me. And so I think one night he was cooking chicken, and I was just like, oh, sure, I'll try a little bit. And it was like almost an instantaneous reaction in my body in a positive way. And the way I describe it is like somebody flipped on a power switch that I didn't know had been off. And I just felt like an energy in my muscles and in the way I was holding myself that I didn't know I wasn't experiencing for like 12 years. Mm. So that was that was a pretty enlightening moment and definitely a really interesting experience to have. For sure. You can call it the conversion moment. (laughs) (laughs) And and like, how did that go for you? Like philosophically, what were you thinking as this was happening and you were noticing these changes? Yeah, I think honestly, at that point, I was so beaten down (laughs) by feeling ill and not finding answers and that everything I had tried had not been working. Um, I felt really good about finally having a solution. You know, like my bloating started to go away and I started to have energy again and that isn't something I had to believe in. I was experiencing it. So I think it was at that point a little bit easier for me to let go of what I had clung to so tightly as far as like the vegetarian and vegan dogma, just because I was so tired of being sick and tired, you know? Yeah. And so I guess by this stage, you're realizing that, yeah, maybe the old model didn't work for you, um, but maybe you haven't got a new model yet to to try and follow and, and to figure out like what to do next and how to reintroduce meat and what to eat and how much and that sort of stuff. So where did you start looking then in trying to, in terms of trying to find more information? Yeah, um, I think it's a great question. I started again, you know, just trying to get more closely connected to different health professionals. I started seeking people out online and reading blogs and, um, you know, trying to understand more about what was happening in my body. Um, I think it's also really important to recognize that I didn't have a concept of like how not eating meat for how long 
had changed the bot, like the way my body functioned. Um, so I probably could have entered back into meat a little bit more gracefully <laughs> and had some more digestive support at this point. If I were coaching <laughs> the old me, I would definitely have done it a little bit differently. Um, but I just tried to start educating myself. And I think that's when I actually became interested in becoming a nutritionist because it seemed like there was so much I don't want to call it misinformation, but it's very specific to one ideology. So there are a lot of different like dietary philosophies that are being promoted. But I think, again, based on my experience, I recognize that like maybe not all philosophies fit all people and you need to be able to like customize based on what's happening inside the body. So I just started reading a lot and um, I actually, the first thing that I did um as far as changing my diet, uh, to come a little bit closer to paleo, which I had no idea what paleo was, but I started by cutting out gluten. And the only reason I did that was because my partner was diagnosed with celiac. And so it was just kind of easier to cook for us both if there wasn't any gluten and, and like a show of solidarity and support, um, cutting out gluten for that measure. So that was kind of a fluke. Like, I don't even know if I would have tried that first if, I, if he hadn't had that issue. <laughs> so in a way I'm grateful, grateful to him for that, for having celiac thanks <laughs> <laughs> and and cutting out gluten i mean some people find they cut out gluten they just get massive changes other people find they just end up replacing with um you know gluten-free substitutes and, and maybe not necessarily getting as as good results as they were hoping you know what did you notice mm, um i noticed i definitely noticed that again like the bloating continued to go down i was had the fortune of working at a natural health market where I got a lot of really good whole foods and, um, you know, raw unprocessed nuts and seeds and, um, butters and that sort of thing. So I didn't have a lot. I also didn't have much money at the time. So I didn't have access to a lot of the gluten-free products that are available. So I think again, that was another advantage that I had not being inundated with just replacing bread with gluten-free bread and replacing cookies with gluten-free cookies. Um, I think at that point I started to develop because of all of my reading, um, a little bit better of an understanding of like you were saying before like the macronutrients and kind of the quality of, of the food versus just replacing one for one because at the end of the day not all things are created equal yeah all right so so we started to get a bit of an idea of you know where you want to go in your health philosophy and, and then at some mm -hmm. stage you've decided you wanted to go and study nutrition and for many people that can be an interesting step because for many people they find that you know what they've their self-discovery doesn't necessarily match uh, what they're being taught when they start going to study uh, nutrition as well. Mm -hmm. How did you find that? Um, I, you know, it was an interesting journey, and I think I, I think I thought that I was much better educated because of all the blog reading I had done, which I was, and and the years of like self education really paid off. But when I made the decision to finally um, actually dive in and study nutrition. And I found the school that I wanted to, to go through. It was really humbling. And I think one of the biggest, um, the biggest things that I had to admit to myself was that like, I wasn't fully healthy yet. And I think that was hard to admit as someone who really wanted to be a representative of the nutrition profession and to help other people heal their bodies. Um, to acknowledge that I still had a lot of healing to do was a little bit challenging. So even though I kind of knew I was headed in the right direction, I guess I had had this like fairy tale image of, you know, the health professionals and even, you know, the people you see on Instagram and all the bloggers today, you're like, oh my gosh, you guys are all, they're all so healthy. I think people are becoming more open now about not having it all together and not being, you know, 100% healed. And you don't have to do that 
to help other people either. But that was definitely a big realization <laughs> for me. Yeah, I think it's such a big one. I think all of us are still on a journey. And, you know, I think it's actually, you know, it's a never-ending journey. I, I think constantly mm-hmm. we're learning new stuff, we're discovering new stuff, we're trying new stuff and figuring out sometimes stuff that works, sometimes stuff that doesn't. And we sort of go, oh, whoops, you know, that didn't work. Yeah. Go back, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a never-ending process. And I think, you know, that's actually the best way to be. And sometimes people see that mm-hmm. as a negative. Um, but I think it's a great thing that people are constantly learning and evolving and improving and, um, you know, learning more about themselves and learning more about health and wellness and, you know, reading latest research and all those sort of things. So I think it is. It's an evolution and it's a non-stop evolution. I think that's a great thing. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. You know, one training program that I went through, um, one of the lead instructors who developed the course had this great saying, um, and he used to say that research is me-search. And I just love that because it's so true. You know, I like to, any tests that I'm going to offer to a client, I always run the test on myself first, and I try to understand the like not only the protocol of the testing, mm. but what would we do if I got X, Y, and Z result? What you know, And I try to dive in deep to, um, to everything that I can possibly learn more about. Um, like you're saying, all the cutting edge research that's coming out. Nutrition is such a relatively young science that, you know, it's unfortunate that um, the media gets out there with such a solid stance on each new point that evolves (laughs) because then you're like, you're saying like, you know, five years later, we're like, oh wait, that's not how it is. So I think if we can just understand that it's kind of an ever evolving science and there's always going to be new information, which I love the idea of looking at as an opportunity to learn more and understand more. And I feel like that helps me really connect with my clients more too, because I really understand what they're experiencing. So that's so important to me too, is we all have a relationship with the people that I, that I help and support. Yeah. And I think also equally, you know, being able to follow the research and seeing what the latest information is, is really important. But I think it needs to be matched, I think, by some sort of an underlying philosophy, you know, some way of mm-hmm. interpreting the research and what it means. Because as you said, otherwise you just jump around from, you know, good to bad to good to bad you know it changes yeah. all the time and and if you don't have some sort of under uh, you know overarching philosophy to understand that and to i guess piece all that research together into some sort of a logical picture um it makes it very difficult so uh, mm-hmm. obviously you know you probably similar to me you know have that sort of paleo framework that allows you to think well okay does that make sense from an evolutionary perspective you know mm-hmm. um you know how could we have evolved to be you know in that situation does that make sense and i, I think that helps you you know piece together that research into some sort of logical picture as well Definitely. Yeah. Um, and that's part of like the, another place that I got to through my education and just through my, my me search is just, yeah, there's like an underlying system. There's a way all of our bodies function or are intended to function. So as much as nutrition needs to be bio individual and like, you know, specific to each person, there's also, there is a general framework that we should and are operating should be and are operating within that. Yeah, you can look at the research, um, you know, once you have a basic understanding of that and say like, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, no, that doesn't make sense. Because that's not how that part of the body functions. Um, So yeah, I think that's a totally great point that uh, and I think, not having that understanding, even on a basic level, like you maybe you don't have to understand specifically how each system functions, but understand that there is a specific way that each system functions. So when you're reading research, always read it kind of with a grain of salt, make sure it's from a credible source. And then also, I love to cross reference, even if I read something that I'm like, Oh, yeah, this totally supports what I've been telling my clients. Okay, let me try to find a way to contradict myself. So I'm not just going around (laughs) like spouting off this stuff just because it confirms what I already believe. I think, again, coming out of my experience, of like 
making myself sick because of going forward and it like just finding research that agreed with with me like that's not always the best way to do it and in fact yeah. you should probably do do a thorough scan before you jump on any bandwagon it's <laughs> such a great point i reckon it's such a great tip for anyone listening in on the show is yeah look for the counter argument like I, I think it's such a great thing whether you're just yeah whether you're reading the research whether you're just reading blogs on the internet whatever you're doing mm-hmm. i think you know whatever you've found that you think wow this is like the most amazing new thing ever um mm-hmm. look for the counter argument and see what the counter argument is and and have an opportunity then to look and to weigh up and to you know to read the research and read the probably the biases on both sides and, yeah. and see what you really think once you've read both sides of the equation because I think that's always a really useful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, in health, in life, in general, <laughs> yeah, just be well-rounded absolutely. and knowledgeable on, on all sides of the argument because it's it's also true that like, <clears throat> you know, if you read an argument that's completely counter to the original article you read, um, it might not refute the initial findings in the main report, but you can still learn. I mean, you can learn, I think, from both sides of the argument just as much. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny nowadays, we often talk about how much information we're exposed to in terms of social media and the internet, but but I think what's also happening is people are starting to get a little bit isolated into one particular viewpoint, you know, where mm-hmm. you know, if, you, if you're into paleo and every single one of your friends on Facebook is into paleo and all you read is articles that are pro-paleo, um, <laughs> then, then you're only getting a small part of the picture, you know, and, and that's yeah. the same for whatever it is that you're into. And so, what we're starting to see, I think, is real biases in terms of the information people are exposed to. It's no longer just, you know, the one main newspaper that everyone reads and gets exposed to, you know, a diversity of ideas and opinions. It, it's more people finding their niche and, and sort of sticking within that. Um, and so yeah. I think the risk is that we do lose some of that diversity of opinion. Yeah, check out someone else's Facebook page once in a while. <laughs> so they have different <laughs> algorithms than you do. I think those are our main sources of information or social media. And it's true like that like things are starting to become more tailored just based on what you look at. So you do have to put in effort now to get out there and learn something different because I totally agree. I think that even paleo, like I definitely recommend it in general. Like if I don't know Joe on the street and he wants to know how to eat healthy, I point him toward paleo because I think generally speaking, it's a really well-structured framework for healthy eating. But at the end of the day, it's going to be in his best interest for him to learn about what's going on in his body, learn about different options that he has so he can really, yeah, figure out what's best for him to be the healthiest he can be. Yeah, and, and a bit of trial and error, you know, figure out what's, mm-hmm, what's working for you. That. How's that working for you? I always love that line. Dr. Phil, he, was, yeah. he always says that. How's that working for you? And it's right. such a good line. People just like, their eyes light up and they're like, oh, yeah, like that's an important <laughs> thing to consider. Right. Yeah, so many people, like going back to what we were saying about um, peer pressure, you know, maybe somebody is, has been on the paleo diet and they're not feeling great, but they're not questioning it because they're only surrounded with with one source of information or one one idea. So, yeah, I like that. How's that working for you? Yeah. Actually think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it all the time. You know, we get people that are like, oh, I don't believe in chiropractic. You know, oh, how's that working for you? You know, it's just, it's, it's, it often does come down to, I think, those beliefs. You know, when, when someone says, I don't believe in that, you sort of think, well, okay, you know, maybe you need to reassess that belief because it, it's not doing you any favors. So yeah, I, think we've got exactly. a, I think we've got a great insight into what you do with your coaching and it, and it sounds fantastic in terms of really, you know, having that paleo model as a framework and, and working from there in terms of 
making it bio-individual and, and helping people out figure out what is working for them. Um, but mm-hmm. you also have a Paleo Sweets cookbook and everyone loves Paleo Sweets. So let's talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Um, oh, when yes, did your cookbook please. come out and, and what can you tell us? What's, what do we expect to find inside? Oh, you can find so many goodies and treats. Um, we released the book in December of 2016, um, and it's done really well. I'm so excited to have been able to share it with like tens of thousands of people. I think we've sold over 100,000 copies so far. Um, so it, it's just kind of my ode to, I guess, like trying to reincarnate my sugar addiction <laughs> in a healthy way. Um, I have a much better relationship with sugar now. Um But I think it's still important to have the balance in life that allows you to have fun and have treats and have special occasion meals. Um, But, you know, it doesn't have to knock you off your healthy eating. Like you don't have to fall off the wagon um, just because you want a cupcake. So I like to, yeah, allow people to have balance within a healthy way. And I think that's the idea that um, that bore paleo sweets so one of my favorite recipes in there there are a couple in there that i make my questions yeah (laughs) um i have the recipe in the cookbook has is called gluten-free vegan chocolate chip cookies but um it's i like to mention that it's vegan just because it's egg-free i know that's a sensitivity that some people have and i just added gluten-free at the beginning of the name of the recipe because it's a buzzword (laughs) But, (laughs) but they're super easy to throw together and they're one of the things that like if i have friends coming over to hang out or if my friend and i grab dinner and we come back to my place and want dessert they're so quick to throw together whip up the batch pop them in the oven they're amazing um they're uh flourless fudge brownie bites which are also really simple yeah and they're like super delicious and chewy i love those and then i actually um uh have become like the cake mistress for all of my friends parties and birthday parties so they're the cake recipes that i use are all in paleo sweets cookbook i'm um (coughs) creating a cake for a baby shower this weekend i'm really excited about so i'm using the vanilla cake recipe from paleo sweets and then i'm going to make some chocolate cupcakes that are going to be the chocolate cake recipe from paleo sweets so they're also one thing that i want to mention are the paleo ice creams and the paleo cheesecakes that i have in there um that i love (laughs) and i think those are really special and deserve a little bit of acknowledgement also (laughs) oh that all sounds great that all sounds great i do do the cheesecakes i'm I'm pretty good at a cheesecake i've done those a few times (laughs) for the kids they're very popular and, uh, and we have a very simple ice cream we do at home, which is great. Awesome. But the uh, the cookies and the fudge sound. You might have to flick me those recipes. They sound pretty oh, awesome. Oh, I definitely so will. Yes. I might have to try those out. I reckon the kids would be pretty happy with some chocolate chip cookies. Yes. So that'll get me in the good books. I reckon. Right, definitely. Um, Kelsey, that sounds board. great. Uh, obviously, everyone's going to want to find out more about you, so they can go to your website, which is kelseyale.com. Um, mm-hmm. I can find you on social media, so on Facebook, the Kelsey Ale, on Instagram, mm-hmm. the Kelsey Ale. I'm going to head there and check out some of those desserts, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, and Pinterest. I'm, I'm not big on Pinterest. I haven't really got into it yet, so, but I'll check it out. <laughs> I'm just getting started. So if you look at my page, it's a little, it's a little there scary. You go. All right. So Kelsey, Kelsey ALNTP, NTP, which I think stands for Nutritional Therapy Practitioner, if I'm not mistaken, that Kelsey. Yep. Perfect. So check out Kelsey. She's doing some great stuff. She's got one-on-one coaching. If you want some help to find out you know, what is working for you and how to individualize uh, your paleo diet or your non-paleo diet to help make it work better for you, um, she can certainly help you out. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great chatting. An absolute pleasure. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. 
check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.